I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Give somebody a high five and have a seat. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, um, I believe it's important to be instant in season with the Lord. And, and um, I believe God's looking for people who can change direction very quickly if God says move. Everybody say move. You know, when we say we need to move, well, God needs the body of Christ to move sometimes in situations. And, and the anointing of God um, is for the moment. Everybody say the moment. And so when God does say move, we have to move because that's right when the presence of God is there to do the work that he has asked for us to do. He's going to do through us into that person's life, into situations. And uh, I believe more and more we're going to see God doing this in the lives of believers who can be instant. Everybody say instant in season. Um, this weekend, actually, my husband, uh, you know, I put together the schedule and talked to Pastor Dan, and my husband, and, and also Kelly about when they can do services. And, um, and I had my husband schedule because my sister was going to be out of town, and I knew I'd have to take care of my mom, who's in the nursing home. And... Uh, I had thought at first I might go with the girls to Florida, and then I thought, no, I could not leave Pastor Bill preaching and my mother. How many of you know he wouldn't even know who you are when he got here on Sunday morning? <laughs> that would be over the top for him. So I chose to have him be the one speaking, and I would take care of my mother. But uh, yesterday afternoon, he, I, he, actually, I called him, and uh, he said, well, you know, I just, I just don't have a message for tomorrow. I thought, that's perfect. And so I was down at the river, and instantly I heard this, don't lose your footing. Everybody say, don't lose your footing. You know, we can plan things based on our situations and based on the things we feel like we have to do, but I can assure you, when God's ready, he can move quickly. Everybody say, move quickly. And so um, I wrote down what I heard, and then uh, I called my husband back, and I said, well... Um, if you want to go eat, we could go eat. I said, and maybe when you come back, you get some more inspiration <laughs> after being with me for dinner. Hallelujah. <laughs> Might not inspire him. Anyway, so, uh, but I said that. And then when, we got, when I got home, um, I said to him, you know, I do have a message if you want me to do. He said, well, praise the Lord. My headache is gone. I feel much better already. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, well, here's the catch. You get mother. Well, he thought for a second. But not for very long. He said, I'll take Lou. You do the message. <laughs> you know, God knows who he wants to speak to when he wants to speak. And it's not about me. It's not about my husband. It's not about Pastor Dan and Kelly. It's not about any but person. It's right at the moment what he says he wants to do, and we have to obey. Everybody say obey. obey. And I really felt in this, in this service today, and maybe it'll be somebody online, people are losing their footing. And, uh, you know, I, I instantly thought of rock, you know, when you cl climb the walls that are, they call it rock climbing. I would never do this, not even with a harness. Because uh, I watched a couple of videos I thought I might show you, and I thought, no, those are depressing. We're not watching that. Because, you know, people get up so high, and then wham, they fall clear to the bottom after all that hard work of getting to the top. But I did feel like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, the church is losing its footing. 
and we're losing our footing because everything that our house is built upon is on the rock, which is Jesus, the Word of God, the living Word of God in our lives. And it says the Word is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. So when we are uh, walking or climbing or running or whatever we're doing, if we're doing it sure-footed on the Word of God, we will not be pushed over. We will not fall. We will stand. Everybody say, I will stand. And uh, so I, I just want to share a few things with you today. Matthew 7, 24 through 29. And I'm going to uh, put it on the screen out of the New Living. Um, it says, anyone who listens to my teaching follows it and, and follows it is wise. Everybody say, I'm wise. <laughs> like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Everybody say solid rock. Solid. You know, when you're built on a solid rock, it's different than some rocks, you know, can uh, wiggle. Have you ever tried to cross a creek and, and the rocks, they look fine until you step on it and then your whole shoe is wet because it wasn't as stable as you thought? It says here, his house, the, the house God built, if we build our house on this rock, it's solid. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. I'd rather my house be built on the solid rock. Because it says, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. Um, and then it says, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Um, you know, I, I heard this in my prayer time one day. I was praying for uh, a situation and um, a couple of people. And I heard God say their foundation is not solid. And they are going to fall. Because their house is built on a foundation that is not stable. And they're trying to build higher and higher. And the higher they go, the more it's going to put pressure on that weakness of that foundation. And it's going to go. They, you need to pray for their foundation to be removed and a new one put in its place. I was in my sister's house one day. And uh, we looked up and her ceiling was cracking. And so we couldn't figure out what was wrong. Well, it wasn't the foundation, but it was things under her house. Or is that the foundation that was messed up, Amber? Oh, seal plate. If any of you know what that is, have no clue. But whatever it was, it was not right. They had to go under her house, and it was like zero degrees out when these guys went under there. And they had to reinforce, redo all of that underneath her house so that her house wouldn't fall in at some point. And that's very expensive. Everybody say very expensive. Well, when you lose your footing in the kingdom of God, it can be very expensive in your life or in my life. So uh, God wants us to build our house. How do we do that? We build it on the word of God. Everybody say the word. word. It's the word. Uh, when Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? You know, uh, it was Peter who replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. My Father in heaven revealed that to you. The Word of God is a revealer of the truth. And so when we're in the Word of God, we hear truth. And when you know truth, you are on the rock. Everybody say, on the rock. In our society today, everything's trying to be turned uh, around that the lie is the truth. It's not the truth if you live the Word of God. But if you don't live the Word of God, you can be convinced or you can be swayed or you can become confused listening to the arguments of the world. How many of you have gotten in a conversation with somebody and by the end you're not sure what you know? 
uh, you know, the enemy's very cunning, and he has a way of bringing that confusion. But if your house is built on the rock, the word of God promises us that when the rains come, the winds blow, that house will remain on the solid rock. And we all have things that happen in our lives that we're not expecting. Um, I want to look at Isaiah 44, 8 in the, in the New Living Translation also. Um, it, this, this scripture talks about there is no other rock. Everybody say there is no other rock. You know, if your hope today is on anything but Jesus, uh, it's not stable. And this is what it says. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim my promises for you long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any other God? No. Everybody say no. There is no other rock. Not one. He is the solid rock. And when we sang that song this morning, and when we first started singing it, uh, I had a little hard time with that song because... It's from a hymn. How many of you know that hymn? <laughs> it's called, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. And so in the hymn, we sing the same words. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Christ, on Jesus' name. On Christ alone, you know, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is, all other ground is. Where do you suppose that songwriter got that song? From Matthew chapter 7. You know, it's no different today. The songs being written today have a lot more words, but they say the same thing as the hymns. And, you know, over the years, because I've, I've been in the worship part of the church for years, too many to, that I, well, 50. And so if you've been in the year, 50 years in the music realm in the church, I have been through lots of variations of kinds of music. But if you put your focus on the words you're singing and on the God you serve, the anointing of God will just touch your life no matter whether you're singing a hymn or whatever you're singing, no matter what the tempo, no matter if it's fast or slow, because God abides in the presence of worship. And so when we recognize you are the solid rock, you are the solid rock, you are the rock I stand on. And in this day, it is better to stand than to fall. In the day we're living in, uh, I've seen so many people over the years in the body of Christ that I thought were so steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But somewhere their foundation was on sand. Something in their foundation was not fortified on a rock. And things happened in their life. And situations do come. Situations we're not even planning on. It may happen today in your life. It, it could happen in our life. I've lived long enough to know that there's not a lot of warning sometimes. Things just happen, and that's the way they are that minute. When my husband was back several years ago, and he was fine, he went in to see my grandmother in the hospital. The next thing I get a call, and he's in the hospital. When he walked in there, the, the medical people recognized something was really wrong with him. And they put him in a wheelchair, and he said, I'm here to see my wife's grandmother. And they said, no, you're here to see us. And so they put him in a bed, and the next thing he's the next day he's in St. Vincent getting two stents in his heart, just like that. And that night, uh, I preached the next morning, cleaned my house that night because I had a showing in my house because you have to be instant in season. You have to be ready to do what God tells you to do. And then I rushed down to Indianapolis, and he, he, was, he was telling him how he wasn't, really that bad you know I'm pretty good actually and he got up to go to the bathroom and they didn't really want him to but he said I'm fine 
It was the morning of the surgery. He comes out. He's all white, about to go down. They rush in and say, well, you know how to get first in line. He was last, and he went to first. You know, I'm, my heart is going. My sister is saying, what is wrong with him? What is wrong with him? Why doesn't he know something's wrong with him? You know? Well, you know, those things happen so fast. That's not the time to go, uh, uh, what does the word say? You know, we know what the word says. We know what the word says. We're standing on the rock. Does that not mean we don't just wiggle or wobble a little? Yes, but we don't fall and we don't, our footing is not lost in that situation. We may feel emotional, but that doesn't mean your foot is slipping. You can stand and be emotional. I know I've done it lots of times. You can smile when you want to cry. You can do whatever the Holy Spirit helps you do in that moment to let the enemy know, I am not backing down. I am standing in this situation. Everybody say the solid rock. It says in one of the verses, we don't even sing. His oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. I gave a scripture last week, Psalm 61, 1 and 2, which says, when I am overwhelmed, I go to the rock. Everybody say, we all need to go to the rock. Um, I want to read this one. This is the message. I love the message Bible because uh, it, it puts things in, in terms that are sometimes very funny. But this is Psalm 62. And I'm going to give you a few more scriptures today because I just, I just like what this says. Could you put that up on the screen? God, the one and only, I'll wait on as long as he says. Everything I need comes from him, so why not? He's solid rock under my feet, breathing room for my soul. Everybody say, praise the Lord. If, can you go on? An impregnable castle. I looked up that word, incapable of being taken by assault. How many of you have ever felt like you were being assaulted? That's the kind of castle he is. It, the enemy cannot get in. And uh, th is there more to that one? Did you have? Yeah. How long will you gang up on me? I love this. How long will you run with bullies? There's nothing to you, any of you rotten floorboards. <laughs> Worm-eaten rafters and hills plotting to bring down mountains far gone in make-believe. Isn't that pretty descriptive? How many of you ever felt like that's happening against your life? You talk a good line, but every blessing breathes a curse. Then it goes on, and it repeats what it, re what it said in, in 5 and 6. It repeats what it said in 1 and 2. It says that he is God, the one and only. I'll wait as long as he says. Everything I hope for comes from him. So why not? He's solid rock under my feet, breathing room for my soul. Everybody say hallelujah. <laughs> I think that's so good because sometimes when you get in a situation, you have to rehearse the word of God. You have to rehearse what God says. And if you have a phone today and you get a Bible app, you can look it up. You can look up different scriptures just if you know one word you can put it in it'll pop up and then you can pick whatever translation you want till you find the one that says what you how you understand it it they all say the same thing but how many of you know sometimes it somebody says something and you, you don't get it and the next person says it i got it now you know it's just the different way you hear it and so it's important God's given us tools, good tools, that we can learn the Word of God. Uh, Isaiah 40, 27 through 31. I think this is what I'd like to say to do today. Everybody needs to wait on the Lord. Everybody say, wait on the Lord. We all need to wait on the Lord. I'd like things to be fixed that are in my life. But if I, if I focus on them too long, I lose my footing. 
uh, I begin to, to, to not be able to stand in the truth that I know. How many of you have ever felt like that? I know the truth, but I feel like I'm not, I'm not strong in this situation. Why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine Israel, saying, God has lost, lost track of me? He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? This is Isaiah. God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. He doesn't pause to catch his breath. He knows everything inside out, and he energizes those who get tired. Everybody say, well, that would be me. <laughs> How many mornings do you get up and say, I'm tired, Lord? <laughs> yeah, that's lots, because <laughs> he's a, a, in high school. You know, I know high school young people. I can text my grandson at midnight, and he answers me. That's not good when he has to be up at 6. But, you know, when you're tired, when you don't have strength, maybe you shouldn't have stayed up late. But God is bigger than that. Everybody say, God's bigger than that. He will energize us, gives fresh strength to dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. This gives me hope. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. Amen? Those who wait upon the Lord, they run and they don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. You know, we were in, up in the Michigan City and I was shopping and I went in this store to find pajamas for my little great-grandson. And the lady, uh, lady said, this for your grandson? I said, no, it's for my great-grandson. She said, well, they're sure making great-grandmas younger. I thought, praise <laughs> God, I feel better already. No matter it's raining, I'm fine. Well, you know, I, I believe it's God. I believe it's God. I used to say Psalm 103 over me, that, you know, that, that my youth is restored. I am strong. I, I am not going to look old. I will do to my hair whatever I have to <laughs> and, and whatever else. Because I'm not getting a facelift, though. This is my face. Hallelujah. Because I've seen faces on, I'm getting off track, but I've seen faces on television. They look like somebody just grabbed them and sucked everything backward and there and then the ones that blow up their lips you know they look like a blowfish you know it's like what happened you know it you know you can't fix everything everybody say you can't fix everything but we can fix our heart we can fix what we believe we can change what we're meditating on and then in psalm 40 verses 1 through 3 this is what the psalmist said I waited and waited and waited for God. How many of you ever thought, I waited and I waited and I waited and I'm still waiting? Uh, at last he looked. Finally, he listened. He lifted me out of the ditch, pulled me out of the deep mud. He stood me on the solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. And the last of it, he taught me how to sing the latest God song, a praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They enter the mystery, abandoning themselves to God. Amen? We won't lose our footing if we don't abandon ourselves to God. Two quick stories, and then I'm going to finish with Nehemiah. Um, it was probably four years ago or five. I was headed to Tulsa, um, and I didn't know it, but my uh, daughter-in-law, Elizabeth, John's wife, they were down uh, with the teenagers rock climbing in Indianapolis. And Lisa, uh, Elizabeth, you know, she'll do anything if you know Elizabeth and more. And so... Uh, she tries to pressure John, but I made him a scaredy cat, sorry to say, so he doesn't do as well as her. But uh, she climbed the wall with the kids, and then something slipped, and she fell. And the way she fell, she cracked her ankle. 
and split the back of the ankle bone, back, you know, that bone right there, and uh, weeks, she still has scars. Uh, they had to take her by ambulance over to the hospital. I was at the airport, and John called me. Well, then I got on an airplane and flew to Tulsa, and I took off on my airplane out of Dallas, and it was a big 1011, and uh, I was sitting there, and this time, I don't know why, I had my phone in my lap. I had it on airplane mode, but I had it in my, in my lap. And uh, bam, something hit on takeoff. And I thought, well, what was that? That's not normal. And in that plane, the flight attendant's looking at me. You know, it's so big that there's a flight attendant looking backward because it's a huge plane. And she, she looks calm, but I can tell <laughs> it's not good. The girl besides me starts crying, I don't want to die. Uh, the plane goes like this, and then it went like this, and then it started going like this. We blew an engine on takeoff in that big plane. And uh, I just punched my phone off airplane mode, and I called here, and I said, pray. Something's happened to our airplane. I'm not sure. We're still in the air. Just pray. Turned my phone off. And uh, I thought, well, I just need to pray. That's all, you know, you pray. Everybody say, I'm the Christ, the solid rock I stand. See, I wasn't planning. That day, the devil tried to take out my daughter-in-law and me on the same day. I'll be dipped. He's not doing that. So I start praying. The girl next to me, she's crying, and she has little kids. And I said to her, we're going to be okay. We are going to be okay. Well, the pilot, you know, he's pretty busy up there. So he doesn't come on and talk to you. Nobody talks to you. Like for 15 minutes. Nobody said anything. It really, literally. And then finally they came on and said, uh, we have everything under control. Um, the people on the right side of the plane weren't so sure because they could see the fire and the smoke that went out that wing, you know. Uh, I didn't see that, so my faith was still high. <laughs> and I was too far away from them for them to tell me that, you know. So I'm still praying and interceding. Well, then we come in and... Uh, First time I've ever come in for a landing with ambulances and fire trucks. And, I mean, we had a huge escort coming in. I mean, it was one, everybody racing down the runway with us. And they took us off and said, well, we're going to take you to a different gate and we'll, we'll take off in about two hours. Well, you know, there's this thought, well, very, <laughs> very few scattered, but there were those that scattered. They went to get cars. <laughs> but, you know, we can't let the enemy back us down in what we know to be the truth. By the time I got to Tulsa that night on television, Matt and Michelle and I were sitting there, and they showed it. I said, there goes my plane. And Matt goes, oh, mother. You know, well, God took care of us that day. But it's on Christ, the solid rock I stand. If it had been any other result, I might have had to get up quick and say, hey, everybody going to see Jesus with me? I mean, I would have to say that. I would have to jump up and say that. Because it's last minute then. God will take care of us no matter what we face if our house is built on the rock. I can't say that my heart didn't jump a little when that bang happened and I heard people start screaming. It, it was very intimidating. But my first thought was, I need people praying. And so that's what I call for, prayer. Everybody say pray. Because God hears the prayer of his servants. He hears the prayer when we cry out to him. Um, a solid, this is what it says, footing, a stable position of placing of the feet, a place or positioning providing a, a base of operations. 
your footing it has to be stable for your base of operations. That means for your daily life, no matter what you're facing, no matter what happens that day, you have to have your feet on the solid rock. Uh, when I did the outline for this, I had, he's the solid rock, we have to be rock solid. Amen? He's the solid rock, we have to be rock solid. And uh, to lose is to fail to keep, sustain, or maintain, to cause to miss one's way or bearings. And I, I don't know why, but God gave me the example of Nehemiah. You know, he was told to rebuild uh, the wall in Jerusalem. And, uh, and, and immediately, as soon as he started building, he had opposition. Uh, anything you do for God. If you know Jesus today, you're going to have opposition. You're going to face things you don't know how to figure out and you don't, know and you don't understand. But God does. Everybody say, God does. The only answer for your situation is not in you figuring it out. It's in God revealing to you what that is. And sometimes he reveals to us. Sometimes he doesn't. That's when trust comes in. And we just have to count on him. So when Nehemiah experienced this, and we're going to go through a few chapters, uh, verses real quickly, and then I'm going to pray for you this morning. In Jeremiah 12:5, it says, If you run with the footmen and they have wearied you, how will you contend with the horses? And what the, what the word of God was to Jeremiah was, if you're getting tired with what you're facing right now, you're not going to be able to make it to the end of this assignment. Amen? I get tired. You get tired. But weariness, everybody say weariness. Weariness is different than being tired. Weariness is when you really feel like there's just no answer for this. How many of you have ever had that circumstance or situation? I'm facing it right now with my mother as she's getting older and things are happening in her life. And, and I've never been down this road before. And uh, some days are, I get weary in, in well-doing. And sometimes I don't do so well and I'm still weary. But weariness is different than being tired. I'm tired. I can fix that. I can rest. Weariness is when you begin to lose your footing. Everybody say, lose my footing. And you can't afford to get out of that position. And so when Nehemiah built it, if you'd put those scriptures up for me, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 through 20. Um, he had the king, he had favor with the king. The king allowed him to leave. He was the king's cupbearer, which meant, you know, that he served the king all the time. But the king excused him, and he was able to go to Jerusalem. He looked around for three days, and he didn't tell anybody what he was doing. Everybody say, that's wisdom. Because sometimes we tell people what we feel like God's telling us to do. And there's always a whole group of people that will tell us why that wasn't God or why you can't do it or why other people are going to stop you from doing it. There's always those excuses. And so finally he brings together the city officials and different ones, the priests, the nobles, the officials. And he says, but now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruin, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let's rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. I feel this calling for the United States of America. I feel it for the people of the United States of America. Uh, I feel it for the church. I feel we've lost our footing. We've not said what we needed to say when we needed to say it, how we needed to say it. And by the grace of God, we haven't had the ability to get things changed. God says my grace is sufficient. And so it goes on. Then I told them about how gracious, how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. And they replied at once, let's rebuild the wall. So we begin the good work. But when to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, these are, the, these are the enemy. Everybody say, our enemy can be people. It's not the people, but it's the things that people say. 
And so God, God uses people to do what he does. The enemy uses people to stop what God does. And so uh, not just our thoughts, but words from other people. They replied, let's build. And these three, uh, the Arab, the Gresham, the Arab heard our plan, and they scoffed contentiously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked. I replied, everybody say, this is a good, re- this is a good reply <laughs> for when the enemy comes against you. The God of heaven will help us succeed. Everybody say, the God of heaven, God of heaven. will help me will. succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. You know, I say that to the enemy all the time. You have no right to the United States of America. It is founded by God. It belongs to God. Devil, get your hands off of God's people. Get your hands off of God's property. This earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That's what it says in Psalms. So we, we need to re- rehearse those things out loud to remind ourselves and to let the enemy know. In verse 4, Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samaritan army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? How many of you have ever had the enemy say that to you? You, you poor, feeble thing, what do you think you're doing? Maybe not in those words, but the intimidation of that. This is to get your footing off the stable, solid rock. You know, we say you need to speak the word, you need to live the word, but if you don't know the word, you can't do either one. Is that a revelation? <laughs> we have to know the word of God in order to do this. And it says they, he knew the word of God. Nehemiah knew it, and he had told the people, what, what do you think, uh, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and a charred one at that? The walls had been down. They had been brought down. They had, the city had been burned. Um, if you go to Jerusalem ever, they take you way down underground, and they show you the old walls. They show you what used to be there. I mean, it's been built on, built on, built on, built on through the years. But, but you can go down there and see the ruins. Everybody say ruins. And you may have things today in your life that look ruined, but I'm telling you, God will resurrect them. You get your footing on the word of God and on the solid rock. Tobiah the Ammonite, this is the other doubter, who was standing beside him remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. But what does Nehemiah do? Then I prayed. Everybody say prayed. Hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffings fall back on their own heads, and may then they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt, nor blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. See, they're trying to build something on the solid rock, on the truth of the word of God, but it's being torn down. It goes on in verse 14. Then I looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Everybody say, don't be afraid. Don't take the thought of fear because the thought of fear will cause you to slip and fall. And, you know, just like when Elizabeth fell off that rock wall, the thing that was damaged was her foot. Her foot, she was in a brace for a long time on that leg. But the, the devil attacked her foot. You know, the Bible also says how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of them who bring good news. Everybody say, my feet are important. Say, I need my feet. <laughs> Keep your footing on the word of God. 
And then it, it goes on, it said, then I explained to the nobles and the officials and all the people, the work is very spread out, and we are, wild, we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to whatever it is sounding, then our God will fight for us. Everybody say, God will fight for us. He told them that God was the one that was going to help them build this building, not them. They, in the end, they end up working with whatever tool they needed to build. And in the other hand, they had a weapon. You know, the Bible says that we have weapons. And they're weapons of warfare. Why? Because we're going to be in a warfare to knock us off our feet, to cause us to give up on the thing God has promised. And then in chapter 6, it's the very end of the opposition. But it says, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out. Now there's more. It's not just these three. There's more enemies. I don't know about you in your life, but in our lives, in building this church, uh, we have had enemies in situations. And, and it seems like enemies find each other, and they multiply. You know, uh, they, they, it's like the Bible says, like spirits attract. How many of you have ever wondered, boy, that's sure an angry group. Well, those are like spirits, and they find each other. I mean, they will find each other, and then they become this force against and that's what now this big force is against Nehemiah. He's, he's got the gaps in the wall closed, but, but he's still got the gates. And it says, uh, the enemy found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set the doors for the gates. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet with them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Now, this is very important. The enemy loves to have a meeting with you. And he may use people or he just may use circumstances. But he loves to have a meeting with you. He loves attention. The devil, it says, so they tried to plan this meeting. But I realized, Nehemiah realized, they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. He replied, but he didn't go in person. He replied, but he did not go in person. And he said, I am engaged in a great work so that I cannot come down. We are engaged in a great work in the church, and we cannot come down for things that are coming against us. And we're going to talk about those as we finish today. But I realized they were plotting. Everybody say plotting. They were planning to hurt him. So he said, I cannot come down. I'm engaged in a great work. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the message, and each time I gave the same reply. How many of you know you have to say the same thing over and over sometimes? to get the enemy to back off of the situation. Well, then they tried something else. It says, I replied, there's no truth. They tried to accuse him of doing something against the government. He said, there's no truth in any part of your story. You are making up the whole thing. The enemy has tried to shut the church up in our nation for speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ and that what it says. Everybody say, the truth is the truth. And there is no law against us speaking what the word of God says in church. There is no law. Everybody say, there is no law separation of church and state was to protect the church from the state it, they've got this reversed and so we have boldness in the day of what's going on around us to speak the truth in love but to speak the truth and so he goes on and he says uh, they say they were telling him this so he says I replied there's no truth in any part of your story you're making up the whole thing they were just trying to intimidate me, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. 
Later I went to see Shemaiah, son of Deliah, and the grandson of Mehetabel, or somebody, who was confined to his home. And he said, let us meet together inside the temple of God. Everybody say the temple of God. Now he's going to bring it into the kingdom of God, into the church, against God. Everybody say against God. And, uh, and both the doors shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. My husband, when he was in the hospital, this maybe not the last time, I can't remember which time, maybe it was the last time, he called me and he said, the enemy came into my room last night. That's the first he's ever said that to me. And he said to me, I am going to kill you. And Bill said to him, no, you're not. Everybody say, no, you're not. You got to be quick to say that. You can't say, oh, yeah, I was bad yesterday. I probably left the door open. This could be it. I might be dead by tomorrow. You can't do that. You have to give him the word of me. No, I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. That's the word of God. That's, that's not losing your footing. How many of you know when you're sick, when you have something that's attacked your body, that is one of your weakest points to be able to stand against what the enemy's saying. That's when we have to fortify ourselves for that situation. And by now, Nehemiah had, and he said, but I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. I realized that God had not spoken to him, but that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. And they were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin. They would, then they would be able to accuse and discredit me. You know, when you get into fear, anything that's not of faith is sin. Everybody say sin. sin. So when fear gets a hold of us, that's really being in sin. And the enemy will take advantage of that. That's how he gets us. If you don't recognize fear as sin, then you're going to meditate on it and keep meditating on it. You have to repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. I was fearful. Everybody say, God. I am sorry. I was fearful. I live by faith and not by sight. My footing is sure. I know where I stand. Amen? Amen. Now you say, wow, she's, she's just really powerful today. Well, I'm just preaching this because God preached it to me because I wasn't doing so good. True. I wasn't. I was starting to look at all these things. And I felt like God told me this. Some relationships you just have to stay away from. And this is a word for some of you today. Some of you are hobnobbing with people that will cause you to lose your footing. And you're doing it because you think you're going to help them. And they don't want help. I learned this a long time ago. I had one of somebody in our church. They said, would you please talk to my daughter? Because she really, I think she'd listen to you. And uh, being naive... I wanted to help. I called her. That girl has still to this day not liked me. Why? Because her mother told me to call her. God didn't. You cannot do that. And, and I don't know who you are today, but I heard relationships are keeping people in a position of losing their footing. There will come a day, just as we as pastors, you have to separate yourself. Everybody say, separate yourself. Now, you're not hateful and you're not mean, and God will even do it for you if you ask him. And people don't like to be confronted. You know, my, my husband had to tell my mother, she's 96 yesterday, he had to tell her, uh, Lou, take the pill. 
She said, I'm not taking it unless Pam comes over here and gives it to me. And I knew I couldn't go over there because when she's upset, then she gets upset with me, and then I feel really bad. And I got to preach today, so I got to keep myself, you know, and Bill knew. So he said, I'm going. I'll get the pill. So he goes over there. He tells her to take the pill. She said, I'm not taking it unless Pam comes over here. And he said, her eyes got real black. Mother's eyes always got black. And that's when everybody scattered because the switch was coming, get to the highest point in the house. She might not run that far. And so, you know, she was living with him. And he, he walked out, got the nurse. He said, come on, we're giving her the pill. She said, okay, because the nurse had already tried. And so it, they got in there, and he said, take the pill. She took it. She said, you're turning against me. And he said, no, I'm telling you what to do, and you don't like it. She said, no, I don't. Well, you know, a few minutes later, she didn't remember it. But thank God. You know, but, you know, we're walking through things that I have never walked through before, and I love my mother, but I'm having to be firm with my mother like I was with my kids in order to protect her from what the enemy is trying to do to her mind. And so we get in positions that we don't like to be in, but we lose our footing if we are moved by what we see. And it's time for the church to take a stand. Number one, in our home, in our family. I mean... Some days I'm tired, but I still have to fight the fight. You know, sometimes you want to give up, but you still have to fight the fight. Teenagers that are in school, they still are fighting a fight. And we, as their parents, have to help them fight the fight and stand the gap because it is difficult out there, a lot more difficult than it was when I went to school, a lot more difficult when a lot of you went to school. Things have changed. The enemy is on assault, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. We will not lose our footing. Let's stand. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person here. I thank you, Lord, that we do stand on the solid rock, which is Jesus. And that rock will not be moved, and neither will we. But I do, I do want to pray for you today that, um, first of all, that if you're here and you don't know Jesus or you've walked away from Jesus, you are on shaky ground, very shaky ground, because the world cannot help you. And if you've known Jesus and you've moved, you know, if the enemy has pulled you off uh, of what you knew, then you're under attack to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. And so if that's you today and you, you've walked with Jesus, but, you know, you want to come back, but you just haven't made that commitment. Or maybe you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus. This is your day. Please don't leave here today not knowing where you're going to spend eternity and not believing in your heart that God is going to receive you. Because there's many people who are walking around today, I believe, who have known Christ, have walked away, and they don't think that, that God will uh, forgive them, that God will let them come back. And that's just a lie from the pit of hell. God always forgives. God loves us. He saves.